Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. You only arrest for the purpose of dealing with a felony that's committed, and I don't count drunk driving as a felony. If we do these things, it's estimated we could bring down tomorrow, if they, Congress agreed and the states agreed, we could bring down the price of oil about a dollar a gallon at the pump in that range. And so we could have immediate relief in, in, in terms of the reduction of the of the uh, uh, of the elimination of temp temporary elimination of the gas tax, and so I think there's a lot of things we can do and we will do. But the bottom line is, ultimately, the reason why gas prices are up is because of Russia, 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 Russia. The reason why the food crisis exists is because of Russia. Russia not allowing grain to get out of Ukraine. And so that's the, that's the way in which I think we should move, and I think it would have a positive impact on the price of the pump as well. Mr. President, two questions, please. <laughs> of course. <laughs> America is back was your motto at the first NATO summit last year, and you've come to this summit here and the one in Germany after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned constitutional protections for abortion, after the shootings in Buffalo and Texas, at a time of record inflation, and as new polling this week shows that 85% of the U.S. public thinks the country is going in the wrong direction. How do you explain this to those people who feel the country is going in the wrong direction, including some of the leaders you've been meeting with this week, who think that when you put all of this together, it amounts to an America that is going backward? They do not think that. You haven't found one person, one world leader to say America's going backwards. America's better positioned to lead the world than we ever have been. We have the strongest economy in the world. Our inflation rates are lower than other nations in the world. The one thing that has been destabilizing is the outrageous behavior of the Supreme Court of the United States on overruling not only Roe v. Wade, but essentially challenging the right to privacy. We've been a leader in the world in terms of personal rights and privacy rights. And it is a mistake, in my view, for the Supreme Court to do what it did. But I have not seen anyone come up to me do anything other than, nor have you heard them say anything other than, thank you for America's leadership. You've changed the dynamic of NATO and the G7. So I, uh, 
I can understand why the American people are frustrated because of what the Supreme Court did. I can understand why the American people are frustrated because of inflation. But inflation is higher in almost every other country. Prices of the pump are higher in almost every other country. We're better positioned to deal with this than anyone, but we have a way to go. And the Supreme Court, we have to change that decision by codifying Roe v. Wade. There were some comments by some of your counterparts after the U.S. Supreme Court ruling. On the world stage for the last day of this high-stakes summit. Good afternoon, everyone. President Biden today turning his attention back home, blasting the Supreme Court and what he called its outrageous behavior. The historic ruling overturning Roe v. Wade now prompting a major shift for the president. He wants Congress to pass abortion rights protections at the federal level and says he now supports carving out an exception to Senate rules that would allow Democrats to do this with just a simple majority rather than 60 votes. I believe we have to codify Roe v. Wade in the law and the way to do that is to make sure the Congress votes to do that. But the president well aware that key members of his own party have said they're not on board with eliminating the filibuster, even when it comes to abortion rights. And just as the president was about to board Air Force One for the flight home, another blow to his domestic agenda. With that Supreme Court ruling limiting the EPA's ability to regulate greenhouse gases, the decision effectively making it impossible for his administration to reach its goal of cutting greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030 and eliminating carbon by 2050. The White House calling the decision devastating, saying it aims to take our country backwards. World stage moment in Spain. President Biden accused the highest court of upending American freedoms. The one thing that has been destabilizing is the outrageous behavior of the Supreme Court of the United States on overruling not only Roe v. Wade, but essentially challenging the right to privacy. Consequences he sees as so dire, the president urged Congress to restore abortion rights with new law. But in a 50-50 Senate, Democrats don't have enough votes, making a surprise announcement today. And if the filibuster gets in the way, the president said he would back a limited change to Senate rules to allow a simple majority vote to make abortion legal again nationally. Require an exception to the filibuster for this action to deal with the Supreme Court decision. That's a flip, breaking his decades-long filibuster support. Ending the filibuster is a very dangerous thing to do. But tonight, top Democrats say they cannot make the change because a few Democrats won't agree. While top Republican Mitch... America. God bless America. Okay, and God bless America. Thank you. And God protect our troops. Thank you. I'm going to tell it to you straight. I'm going to tell you the truth. Our darkest days are ahead of us, not behind us. And now is a time when things are shifting. We're gonna, there's going to be a new world order out there. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. This would be the time because you really need world order, financial world order. This alternative vision argues that ordinary men and women are too small-minded to govern their own affairs. That order and progress can only come when individuals surrender their rights to an all-powerful sovereign. We are here to develop the great narrative, the story for the future. But in order to shape the future, we have first to imagine the future, you have to design the future, and then you have to execute. The only way to spare more pain and more loss, the only way 
These millstones no longer mark our national mourning. These milestones, I should say, no, no longer mo mark our national mourning. What's the difference between President Trump not doing anything while the Capitol was being attacked and President Biden not doing anything while protesters, uh, while the Supreme Court justices were under attack in their own homes with their families and with their children? Well, I, there, there are two major differences here. Uh, first of all, the, our predecessor <laughs> uh, was very, uh, we have said that his behavior on that day, um, on January 6th, was atrocious. Uh, the president has said that. Um, and we are going to let the select committee, the January 6th select committee, uh, continue to do their independent uh, review of that, their hearing. Um, and you guys all saw for yourselves. The American people saw, have seen for themselves uh, what, um, what the, what, what our president, predecessor has done, his behavior and his involvement. So that is not the same. That is absolutely not the same. We are talking about what we saw on January 6th. We are talking about an attack on our democracy. Uh, we are talking about a very dark day that the person who was here before us, seemingly, if you watch, was very involved. So that's very, very different. Uh, now, fast forward to, uh, to this president. Uh, this president is fighting for women's rights. He's fighting for women's freedom. He has spoken out. He's been very clear uh, about what needs to happen next. Uh, he put out two executive authorities uh, that lays out uh, ways that we can protect women. Uh, he has uh, he has said that he's going. Everything is on the table. Uh, we're going to see what else we can do. But he has also has spoken very truthfully and very honestly with the American people, which is if we want to see Roe become the law of the land, we also have to act. Uh, we have to hold Congress accountable uh, and make sure that they act. And if that cannot happen, then. Americans need to go to the ballot box. And that is, that is very different. And to say, and to say that there is no difference, that is, that is just unbelievably wrong. Let me switch a little bit to uh, this issue of Joe Biden. Um, Jay, I'll let you take first crack at it. Joe Biden is really upset. He feels he's being disrespected. Feels as if the party has never. There is a little bit of Rodney Dangerfield in him. You know, they've never really given me respect, and all I do is, you know, they didn't want me to run in 15, and look what happened to, in 16. Then they they didn't want me to run in 20, and look what happened. I actually won. Now they don't want me to run in 24. Does he have a point? Um, uh, in, in in a sense, yes. Um, I'll, and I I don't know that, and this is just instinct, I don't know that Joe Biden has definitively made up his mind to run in 2024. I'm sure at some point he's going to have that conversation with his family. My advice would be unconventional. Um, make that announcement. If you're not running, make that announcement sooner rather than later, even before the midterms. It opens the floodgates, that's it, for sure. But it gives others an opportunity to prepare. And, and to get organized for 2024. Do the opposite of what Donald Trump's going to do, which is to keep us all in suspense to the last minute. Ali, where is most of this hand-wringing about Biden coming from? I don't sense it comes from Congress. I sense it comes from governors and maybe those that want to run for president. 
but of course it would, right? <laughs> I mean, I also do think that there is some consternation around the idea that Biden came in saying he would restore institutional norms, and maybe it's because we're going through the January 6th hearings, and maybe it's because the economy looks the way that it does, but there's this feeling like you promised me it would be normal, and this doesn't feel like a normal Nothing's that I normal. want to accept. Right. So certainly we're post-norm. Welcome to Flyover Politics Podcast. It is the 6th of July, year of our Lord, 2022, episode 611. Fair we get our bump in with the old Biden. Some funny shit there. And yes, Chuck Todd, he is Ronnie Dangerfield because he deserves to be Ronnie Dangerfield, you fucking twat. Today's going to be a short show. We're not going to take it out very long. Just wanted to get something out. And we will start with our breaking news. And, of course, it is the shooting in Chicago. Uh, during the attack, Primo was dressed in woman's clothing. And investigators do believe he did this to conceal his facial tattoos and his identity and help him during the escape uh, with the other people who were fleeing the chaos. In 2013, you signed an assault weapons ban that was in place and is in place. There are a lot of pieces to put together about what happened. Um, tell us where we are, where that's concerned. Do you know anything about where the gun may have come from? I don't know where the gun came from, but I do know that it was legally obtained. Um, and I think at some point this nation needs to have a conversation about these weekly events involving the murder of dozens of people with legally obtained guns. If that's what our laws stand for, then I think we need to reexamine the laws. What does it think, what does it tell you about us as a nation? I feel like we see so many shootings. There was a, a, at a grocery store, a fourth graders at a school. Uh, what, is, what does this tell you about our country? Frankly, it tells us that our values are askew. Uh, yesterday, we came together as a community to celebrate independence and freedom after two years of not having a parade because of this gun culture. Our nation uh, turned its back on us and turned its back on our celebration. We as a country have to have a very strong conversation with ourselves. We have an issue with these individuals that are filled with rage in our communities that are committing domestic terrorism. What do you believe needs to be done? I think we obviously need to provide significantly greater resources in terms of mental health care. We've seen those scaled back dramatically in the last few decades. But let's ask the question of why enraged people in other civilized nations in our world aren't committing these mm. crimes. We know that this is a unique American issue, and that's right. why we need to take... What do we need to do to reach these kids at a young age so they don't commit these crimes? I think it's a couple of things. First, I think we obviously need to provide significantly greater resources in terms of mental health care. We've seen those scaled back dramatically in the last few decades. But let's ask the question of why enraged people in other civilized nations in our world aren't committing these mm. crimes. We know that this is a unique American issue, and that's right. why we need to take necessary steps. I mean, all of these weapons and these mass shootings have been legally obtained. That should tell us that the laws are not doing their job. When you have a city coming together to celebrate freedom and independence, you shouldn't have to come fearing for your life. That's not what this nation is mm. about, and we need to do something about it. Our founders carried muskets, not assault weapons. And I don't think a single one of them would have said, 
that you have a constitutional right to an assault weapon with a high-capacity magazine. Uh, who can do this and how? It's a really quite it's a new challenge. Um, I will say that, man, there's no other way to put this. Uh, the the one thing that uh, combines all these things is ready access to weapons. And uh, this guy had ready access to weapons. Um, that's just that's the one thing uh, he had ready access to a, uh, a machine that could kill a bunch of people in a short period of time. Uh, you're not going to be able to stop this on a rhetorical level. This guy. Um, he posted on Spotify, on Discord, on a bunch of websites that uh, I, you know, you and I would never hear of. He posted on Twitter. He posted on YouTube. He posted on Instagram. He posted everywhere you could post it. So even if there was, you know, even if there was this consortium of people who worked at these private companies who were monitoring this stuff, you couldn't get them all. Like, there's no way to get them all necessarily. Um, and also, I want to say, like, you can't drill this down to one specific traditional political subculture. I know a lot of people want to point out that this guy was a Donald Trump fan. He had, there were pictures of him draped in a Trump flag or, uh, you know, at a Donald Trump, uh, outside of a Donald Trump motorcade. This guy, this is part of a much larger, deeper subculture that Donald Trump is in the past of. Like this guy grew up as a child. If Donald Trump was his president, he's trying to advance the accelerationism well past Donald Trump. This guy is part of a new wave of terror and that's something we have to get our brains around right now. This is not, this is not tied to one guy. Um, this is tied to a much larger cell of people who think they're loners who are really acting in concert um, uh, to express their disaffection with the world by murdering a bunch of people. We have to stop hmm. that. I don't know how else to stop that. The one thing that you can stop it at the very end is the gun parts. Um, but we have to at least, you know, try to start to learn how people are getting to this point. Otherwise, we're not we're just going to come here every two weeks, guys, like every two weeks. Yeah. We're just going to be on this show talking about what's going to happen and how, how we can't stop this thing. We have to wrap our brains around this very new reality where there are a bunch of different subcultures that are extremely violent. And they think the best way to get their message out or they think the best way to show that they can't live in this world is to murder a bunch of people at a parade. Mm. Um, we have we have to start adapting societally to this, not just as a law enforcement perspective. We have to start recognizing the signs and working in our communities in real life to stop this stuff. The toxicity in our public discourse is a thing that I think we should all be concerned about, right? And it's ironic, obviously, that we're having this conversation and what happened on Independence Day. You know, we're not like a lot of other countries where uh, independence their version of independence day is marked with you know tr uh, troops and tanks and no what we do in the united states is we come together as a community if you read clarence thomas concurrence he said thank you fuck clarence thomas Thursday, the Supreme Court dealt a major setback to the Biden administration's ambitious climate agenda, limiting some of the Environmental Protection Agency's ability to broadly regulate carbon pollution under the Clean Air Act. While the court was now the court decision was narrower than some had feared, leaving intact the power of the EPA to regulate greenhouse gas emissions from individual power plants, climate activists are already shifting their focus and turning to businesses and states to help combat climate change. This decision is a really big deal, and I'm joined by Jamie Margolin, who is the founder of the youth-led climate activist group Zero Hour, 
And Jamie, you tweeted that the Supreme Court is a deadly threat to our Earth and all life on it. How are you feeling mm -hmm. after Thursday's ruling? Well, I agree with what Congresswoman AOC and many others have said, which is that this is a judicial coup at this point. The judicial branch is absolutely overreaching in their power and completely overturning what the majority of people want, what is good for the people, what is the will of the people, with the decisions against Roe v. Wade, with all of these decisions against what goes against basic common sense safety and majority decisions. And they're just overturning, overturning, taking away basic rights and progress to the point where it's like, this is, this is a clear descent into fascism if we don't take serious action. And I don't say that lightly. I study fascism a lot. I grew up, um, I mean, my grandpa was a World War II veteran. My, on my dad's side were Jewish. And I grew up just, you know, learning a lot about Nazi Germany and other fascist regimes and things like that because of um, how the people in my family had lived through and seen and studied history so well. And the important thing is to always remember it can happen here. It, there's Everyone is like, oh, but never us, never, never us, the United States. And it's we're already seeing this fundamentalist, essentially, coup taking away the basic rights, control over our own bodies, bodily autonomy, health care. This pro-life Supreme Court is killing people. People are going to die because of these decisions, not just because of the Roe v. Wade overturning, but because of their ruling against gun control, because of their ruling against, I mean, who rules against something called the Clean Air Act? That's going to kill people. <laughs> Millions of people die okay. of air pollution and other sorts of toxins and pollutants and diseases caused by them. So this is, these people, these pro-life people have blood on their hands. It's a really good point about like who's against the Clean Air and Clean Water um, Act. Um, but one of the things I've been thinking a lot about as well is even how we frame this decision, right? There was a lot of, uh, there were plenty of headlines that sort of were like a loss for the Biden administration or a loss for climate activists or AOC is a big loser. But I keep thinking about the fact that, you know, the. So if you go to this Awake the Rappers Twitter account, he has stuff like this. Then if you also go to who he's following, first of all, Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. It was one of the major players in COVID. And then he liked, let's see, Bill Gates, BBC World News, Kamala Harris, the CDC, Washington Post, this is who we follow. The World Health Organization, Barack Obama, New York Times, CNN. So, you know, FBI, Joe Biden, President Biden. So this guy's clearly a left-winger. And then, like I said, if you go to his uh, likes and scroll down, you'll see that one. So here's him liking Washington Post articles. Then a CNN article about the January 6th insurrection. And then, uh, you know, New York Times. And what is this New York Times one says? Last month was the warmest June ever recorded in North America. So he's liking a climate change post from the New York Times. And then if you come down here, he goes on a total CDC vaccination kick. You know, get a COVID-19 vaccine so you and your loved ones stay safe. So he's a hardcore vaxxer. And they're going to try, the people were trying to say that he's a Trump supporter. 
There's no way this guy is a Trump supporter. He has one picture of himself laughing with a Trump flag on as a cape, which is more than likely him making fun of that. This is this is basically their one thing that they're going with, which he's clearly goofing. It says spam right on it. But man, if you go to his followers and his likes, he is clearly a hardcore liberal. Yes, boys and girls. Yeah, you heard Trump fan in there, right? That's what I heard. I heard instantly, it's a Trump fan. It's Trump. Blame Trump. Everything is Trump. I mean, Trump is a fucktard sometimes, but come on, motherfucker. Come on. These fucking people, man. I mean, seriously, for the love of fuck, you guys are like, it, it is like a broken goddamn record. Instantly, white supremacist. I heard there's a bunch of uh, Jewish people in that area, and I bet you that's what it is. It's, it's that's what it is. It ain't. Is that a Trump guy? How about that? That ain't a disguise. Home skillet dressed like this. Oh, is that Antifa? Fuck me! That was like on Twitter in 20 minutes! But yeah, he's a right winger. You guys nailed that shit. You're so fucking good, man. So fucking good. So, we, we go through this. Uh, that's another one. He, yeah. Dude, I didn't even have to work for this. This was just like me picking up the phone in between feeling nauseous and being bored and you find all this stuff i love this one Waukesian, six dead 62 injured highland eight dead 31 both were pre-planned attacks that occurred at holiday parades the two towns are separated by 79 miles one used a gun one used a car should be noted highland park illinois has an assault weapons ban that's the thing about it they instantly said let's take the guns Take the fucking guns. There's Anna Navarro. Not going to read it. Losing her shit. Lori Lightfoot. 71 on the same weekend. We don't talk about that because they're black people. We're not going to talk about that because that's racist. You racist motherfucker. I'm just going to leave this up for the rest. That, that pretty much says it. The difference mattered. Uh, Akron was a big thing this week. So even while... A guy shot his gun at, and the reporter said, that's a big difference. And then the cops shot him, and they shot him 61 times. So that's like a huge thing that's the back tone that got separated by this. And, of course, Ben Collins. Here's Andrew Mitchell. I didn't put these up. On Cremo's social media activity, he had a shooting, one underscore. He was deeply into 4chan culture of, you know, glorifying mass murder. And also in spaces, they talked to Kill Count on Shooter Groom, the people who traditionally come from far-right spaces on the Internet. This is Andrew Mitchell trying to push this shit. Ben Collins. I think this article is supposed to be a dunk, but it's true. The communities that Cremo was online with far more acceleration than what's talked about in traditional political media, and that's got to change. They're effectively terror cells. We've got to start having bigger conversations about this stuff. They're right-wingers. And they tried it. 
it, it didn't work because then people found his rapper, found his Anifah, found that he followed the same people saying over and over, kill fucking whitey, kill motherfucking Republicans. We've had, you know, fucking month of, oh my God, they're taking away Roe. We must get in their face. I'm going to play this out of order. This is Sam B. this week. I can't describe how painful it is to be here now in a place where the Supreme Court has the power to erase 50 years of constitutional law. Make no mistake, this is not where it ends. Conservatives will not rest until they have come for all of our rights. Everything we have fought for could be lost unless we take it back. It's not just about voting in November. It's about doing everything in our power to protect and help vulnerable people access abortion across state lines. And we have to raise hell in our cities, in Washington, in every restaurant Justice Alito eats at for the rest of his life. Because if Republicans have made our lives hell, it's time to return the favor. And Brittany, Roe and climate were, of course, just two of the consequential decisions this week. There was religious liberty, guns all decided by a super majority conservative court. But according to a recent Gallup poll, only one in four Americans say they have a great deal of confidence in the court. How significant is that when you look to the Supreme Court? Some of those decisions were before this week. I said this week. Yeah, I think there's two levels of significance. I think there's a national big picture one. There's recent polling and recent studies that came out that says that the current makeup of the Supreme Court is about 75% more conservative than the average American, which means that these Americans are going to be feeling disenfranchised and apathetic about the state of the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court doesn't have legislative powers that Congress has, doesn't have a budget, doesn't have an army like the president. So they over index on public confidence so that states can follow out their jurisprudence. So they need public support important really to order to bolster the things that they have and to get it done. People just feel very unsettled and like there, is, there aren't any grown-ups in charge. And so I think on, on a very big picture level, Americans are feeling like there's nothing that they can trust. And there's a sense almost that there's a societal breakdown in the works. People don't trust elections and so on. And so, you know, we could be heading for, for a sort of larger reckoning in terms of just how this country functions, I think. Martha, if I, if I could. Please, please. You know, I do think you talk to uh, Democratic officials and, and strategists, and there is this sense that the Supreme Court, for the reasons that you just described, uh, is a phenomenal political villain for the party uh, today and in this campaign uh, and going forward. That most people don't know uh, who the Supreme Court justices are. Uh, if they know any of them, it's usually the most controversial. Uh, they are a, a set of sort of largely obscure characters guarded by this sort of priesthood of uh, elite lawyers, right? And so for your average voter, they are not a sympathetic force uh, in American life. And uh, uh, they are declining uh, in terms of the institutional trust they have. So when you talk to Democrats who are younger, you talk to Democrats who are more progressive, there is a sense that the party should get out there and run against uh, these sort of uh, priests in black robes. And there is a lot of questions about whether Joe Biden is going to be up for doing that. The, you know, Molly mentioned declining trust in institutions generally. If there's one word that you hear over and over again to describe Joe Biden, it is institutionalist. Is he going to be comfortable going to these swing states in the fall and campaigning against the Supreme Court institutionally as a Democrats called for, including Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, which is maybe temporary clinics on federal land um, uh, as in and you know fight it in the court you know let the courts say no bef uh, and, and instead try it did you guys look into this at all I, I think we're continuing to 
explore everything that's out there. Uh, the, the difficulty is that simply because it's an idea doesn't mean it can go out into practice. And so what we want to make sure is we can put things out into practice because you have people who are right now in need of abortion care services. So we're going to do what we can to give people something as quickly as we can. Even if it may not be everything they like, we want to make sure we're providing everything we can. The um, I played the other two with it. You've been going nonstop. It's the end of democracy. The president wouldn't even say it's good. We're about to go into 4th of July after this. And it's all, oh my God, the world is ending. Trump shall rise again. And you've got these people so on edge. These people. Not us. I'm not going to go shoot a motherfucker up. I'm going to go vote. And ensure you fucktards don't have any more power. Because you care about some weird ass shit. Just some weird ass shit. Fuck, man. What do you expect's going to happen? Here's Am- Allison Camerata. Once again, uh, we don't even have background checks. I like that analogy, Steve, because I used to be a waitress. And for a while, we were told to run up the alcohol tab on people, on customers who came in because you got them to pay more that way. Then the law changed. And you couldn't serve somebody who you knew had been drinking because they were killing people on the highway. And so once yeah, you recognize... That's, that's a little I mean, different, though, I understand. Allison, None of these analogies are perfect, Steve. I, I get it. None- you have articles. Police say the appeal of Indiana handgun permit laws means open carry gun can be on sidewalks. I am a school and the police can't do anything. You get these people to believe it's the end of the world. And they're in these cultures where they do play games. And it gets in their head. Mark Parkman. Multiple shootings occur within minutes of each other. One person shot, blah, 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 blah. This is all in Boston. I blame this on fucking the Supreme Court. Aid to Mayor Adams robbed by armed duo in Brooklyn. And while we're trumping this all up, this is a different subject, but I... This is allowed. These are all allowed. But Jordan fucking Peterson, who tweets, the Juno star used to be a girl, but got her boobs removed. Now she's a page, Elliot page. And then the Rubin reports, tweets that Twitter deletes him because he said this, and they delete him. This is the environment we're in. It's making people crazy. Just crazy. And I thought Tucker summed it up pretty fucking good. We're just murdered for no reason. So pause a beat before politicizing their deaths. Show some respect. You owe them that. But social media do not encourage respect. Social media are the domain of partisans. And the first question a partisan asks never changes. It's this. How can I use other people's misery to become more powerful myself? 
So on the basis of that, the usual morons leap in to blame the other team. They did it. It's their fault. Elect me. Eric Swallow did this immediately, of course, speaking of morons, but so did many others. These are the sort of people whose first instinct is to ascribe political or racial motives to every crime to prove their point about how they were right all along. And sometimes they are right. Sometimes racists and ideologues do commit crimes. But that's not the majority. Some mass killers are white, some mass killers are black, some are right wing. Quite a few are left wing, actually, though the New York Times never mentions it. But one thing nearly all mass killers have in common, almost every single one of them, with some but few exceptions, all of them are alienated young men. That's the common thread. They're young, they're male, they're crazy. Robert Cremo certainly fit that stereotype. Have you seen the guy's picture? If he sat next to you on the bus, you would move immediately. He literally had face tattoos and dressed in costume in public. On his YouTube channel, which for some reason was very quickly scrubbed from the Internet by authorities, why is that? We found it. Cremo posted videos of the presidential motorcade along with newspaper clippings about the Kennedy assassination, speaking of red flags. Months ago, he was filming the Highland Park parade route, the one he shot up. Not surprisingly, at a press conference today, police acknowledged they had encountered Cremo several times before. Three years ago, for example, police arrived after he had attempted to kill himself. I'm going to relay some information from two prior instances that occurred here in Highland Park. Uh, the first was in April of 2019. Uh, an individual contacted Highland Park Police Department uh, a week after learning of Mr. Cremo attempting suicide. Uh, this was a delayed report, so Highland Park still responded to the residents a week later, spoke with Cremo, spoke with Cremo's parents, and the matter was being handled by uh, mental health professionals at that time. The second occurred in September of 2019. A family member reported that Cremo said he was going to kill everyone and Cremo had a collection of knives. The police responded to his residence. The police removed 16 knives, a dagger, and a sword from Cremo's home. So there you have it. Back in April of 2019, police found out that Cremo had tried to kill himself. And then a few months later in September, he threatened to, quote, kill everyone. So police took away his knives and that was it. They didn't follow up. And even if they had, what would they have done? Taken away his guns? He'd get more knives. In any case, police didn't think the situation warranted further steps. As we saw, Cremo was still able to buy firearms legally, despite being obviously mentally ill. Now, pause for a second. Why is that? Look at Robert Bobby Cremo. Would you sell a gun to that guy? Does he seem like a nutcase? Of course he does. So why didn't anyone raise an alarm? Well, maybe because he didn't stand out. Maybe because there are a lot of young men in America who suddenly look and act a lot like this guy. It's not an attack. It's just true. Like Cremo, they inhabit a solitary fantasy world of social media, porn, and video games. They're high on government-endorsed weed. Smoke some more. It's good for you. They're numbed by the endless psychotropic drugs that are handed out in every school in the country by crackpots posing as counselors. And of course, they're angry. They know that their lives will not be better than their parents. They'll be worse. That's all but guaranteed. They know that. They're not that stupid. And yet the authorities in their lives, mostly women, never stops lecturing them about their so-called privilege. You're male. You're privileged. Imagine that. Try to imagine an unhealthier, unhappier life than that. So a lot of young men in America are going nuts. Are you surprised? And by the way, a shockingly large number of them have been prescribed psychotropic drugs by their doctors, SSRIs or antidepressants. And that would include quite a few mass shooters. And keep in mind, again, these drugs are meant to prevent 
crazy behavior. And yet there seems to be a connection. Eric Harris, the Columbine killer, was in both Zoloft and Luvox. A year earlier, a 15-year-old called Kip Kinkle shot his parents and dozens of classmates. He was on Prozac. In 2005, a 16-year-old called Jeff Wiesa killed his grandfather and 10 kids in Minnesota. He was on Prozac, too. So was 27-year-old Stephen Kamerzak, who murdered six people at Northern Illinois University. In 2012, you may recall, when 25-year-old James Holmes walked into a movie theater and shot 82 people. He was on Zoloft. The list goes on and on and on and on. It includes the shooter at the Washington Navy Yard in 2013. That would be 34-year-old Aaron Alexis. It also includes Dylan Roof. He's the 21-year-old who shot up the church in Charleston. Now, he was apparently a racist, and we've heard a lot about that. Fine. But we've heard next to nothing about the fact that he was taking SSRIs. He and many, many others. You're not supposed to notice, but some have. The Journal of Political Psychology once assembled a list of dozens more mass killings all committed by young people young men on prescription drugs. So is there a connection? Well, we don't know definitively. We do know there are a whole lot more of these drugs being taken by kids than ever before. And by the entire population, who's not taking some prescription medication at this point? Between 1991 and 2018, total SSRI prescriptions in the United States rose by more than 3,000%. 3,000%. 3,000% of anything is a massive change. You don't see changes like that. But the point of this change was to make Americans calmer, saner, happier. Take these drugs and your problems will go away. Yes, you'll become numb. You will lose part of yourself. You no longer experience deep joy. You'll become part robot. But at least you won't want to kill yourself or harm other people. That was the promise. 3,000%. Did it work? Let's see. Over the very same period, the suicide rate in the United States jumped by 35%. Did it work? Well, millions of people got on anti-suicide drugs and we wound up with many more suicides. So maybe it's not working. Is it possible it's making the problem worse, you think? Let's see. Mass shootings also increased dramatically over the very same period. Here's a chart that shows it. Now, the halfwits on Twitter always scream the same thing. Correlation is not causation. All right, whatever that means. But tell us, Halfwits, what is going on exactly? What, what does that chart mean? We know that SSRIs are dangerous. It says so right on the label. They increase, quote, the risk of anxiety, agitation, irritability, hostility, aggressiveness, impulsivity, and mania. Oh, not a big deal. That's not causation. Then what is it? According to one meta-study by the FDA, young people who've been prescribed SSRIs have an increased rate of suicide. Oh, wait, more suicide? Weren't they supposed to reduce suicide, but we're getting more suicide? Let's, Let's stop right there. But we're not stopping. We're accelerating. Between 2015 and 2019, the use of SSRI drugs by teens in the United States rose by nearly 40%. So it's not working. Let's do a whole lot more of it. This seems like a massive and extremely obvious problem. Extremely obvious. People aren't themselves. They're taking drugs that are, appear to be causing the behavior the drugs are designed to prevent. Why don't they talk about this on TV? Oh, let's see. In 2020, the pharmaceutical industry spent more than $4.5 billion advertising on national television in this country. Now, how much is that? Well, to put it in some context, Pfizer spent more on advertising in 2020 than it did on research and development. 
But it wasn't a bad decision. It was a great decision. Pfizer's revenue doubled last year to more than $81 billion. Now, how'd they do that? Well, the ad campaign paid off. It helped convince politicians to require the entire population to take Pfizer products. Products that don't work as advertised, that have killed large numbers of people, and whose side effects are indemnified against lawsuits by the United States Congress. That's quite a business model. You might think it could be a subject of a media story. But no, no stories on Pfizer. They're paid to be fanboys of Pfizer, therefore they are. Here's a tweet, for example, from CNBC, which is ostensibly a news organization, and we're quoting. Pfizer is uniquely positioned to advance mRNA, which could be a breakthrough for other infectious diseases, genetic diseases, and cancer. Parenthesis, paid post for Pfizer, hashtag ad. <laughs> it's on their Twitter account, a news organization. They're admitting it's a paid post for Pfizer. But in CNBC's defense, they're not alone. Pretty much all the news coverage you see in the United States is a paid post for Pfizer. Watch this. Anderson Cooper 360, brought to BC News Nightline, brought to you by Pfizer. The Human Factor, brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight, brought to you by Pfizer. Oh, it's all brought to you by Pfizer. Now, why is that? Because TV channels don't prescribe drugs. Doctors do. So why would Pfizer, a drug company, be advertising on television? Well... We're not sure of the answer, but let's put it this way. Don't hold your breath waiting for CNN or Good Morning America to do a hard-hitting investigative piece on the potential connection between prescription drugs and violence. It's probably not going to happen since they sponsor those channels. They're going to keep telling you it's all about guns. It's all about guns. Does anyone really believe it's all about guns? <laughs> no one thinks that. If you really thought that guns caused violence, you would, for example, demand far harsher prosecution of gun possession in the cities. That's where most of the shooters, shootings are taking place. But no one's doing that. Why? Because that's where Democratic voters live. So there's no chance anyone's going to crack down on them. Instead, politicians are using these tragedies to do what they've always wanted to do, which is disarm their political opponents. Here's someone who's kind of dumb enough to say it out loud. This is the governor of Illinois, J.B. Pritzker. It is devastating that a celebration of America was ripped apart by our uniquely American plague. A day dedicated to freedom has put into stark relief the one freedom we as a nation refuse to uphold. The freedom of our fellow citizens to live without the daily fear of gun violence. It's the 4th of July, a day for reflection on our freedoms. Our founders carried muskets, not assault weapons. And I don't think a single one of them would have said that you have a constitutional right to an assault weapon with a high-capacity magazine. Does a single person watching that, does even one person watching that believe for a second that J.B. Pritzker has had an authentic human emotion in the last 20 years other than gluttony, greed, and the lust for power? No, no one believes that. This is politics. Disarm the law-abiding. That's the first thing every authoritarian regime does. Of course. Make sure the other side can't fight back. Of course. That's what they all do. So, of course, in New York, the state's unelected governor, speaking of democracy, her name was Kathy Hochul. Used to have a little vaccinated necklace. Probably doesn't wear that anymore. But Hochul just approved a law requiring gun buyers to provide their social media accounts to the government. Hmm, paging First Amendment lawyers here. 
Applicants must prove to Kathy Hochul's satisfaction that they have, and we're quoting, the essential character, temperament, and judgment necessary to be entrusted with a weapon. So the idea is Kathy Hochul, who's not been elected governor, is the holder of your rights, and she kind of doles them out based on your obedience. Now, this is an inversion of the basic promise of America, which is your rights came before the government. They were given to you by God. Can we use that word now? And the government merely safeguards them. But once you get rid of that, like Joe Biden does, once you start telling us that I've got your rights, and if you do what I tell you to do, I'll give them to you, there's nothing you can't do. So New York's not stopping there. New York has also just made it a felony to carry a firearm in any public place, unless you're Kathy Ockel's bodyguards. That would include public transit, Times Square. You can't carry a firearm in churches or schools where mass shootings have been known to occur. So that means the law-abiding in New York can't defend themselves. So are there data on this? Did Kathy Ogle on a study telling us would save lives? Nope, not even pretending. She's doing it just because she feels like it. Just admitted that on camera. Watch. Governor, do you have the numbers to show that it's the concealed carry permit holders that are committing crimes? I don't need to have numbers. I don't need, I don't have to have a data point to point to to say that this is going to make, all I know is I have a responsibility to the people of this state. Oh, I don't need numbers. I don't need to have. The numbers. I'm acting purely on emotion because this is how I feel because I care. Wow. Living down to the stereotype, anybody? There's no actual evidence it will work. She doesn't need that. She wants more power. Watch Kathy Hochul explain. Imagine you're on a crowded subway and you bang into somebody inadvertently. Tempers flare and the person that you banged into happens to be carrying a concealed weapon. Imagine you're in a bar. Someone starts a fight. They have a concealed weapon on them. Imagine you're in Times Square visiting with your family you're on the way to a show with your family and you're surrounded by people with concealed weapons does that make you feel more or where's your vaccinated necklace kathy hochel weren't you just bragging about that you're not bragging about being vaccinated anymore why is i play that because it's a really good synopsis of what we've been through I don't think they understand what they did to these kids. All to get Trump out of office. It wasn't COVID. We all got COVID. Talked to my mentor today. He's vaccinated, boost, everything. He's older than me. He got it. Now, we all ended up getting it. I'm still fucked up because of it. And it still didn't kill that many people. They died of the other shit. What am I fucked up for? Some already had. I had digestive issues. It attacked my digestive system. And now I'm still fucked up off it. It didn't kill me, thank God. But people with lungs or fucking pulmonary embolisms or heart conditions, they all died. But you locked us down for politics, for control, to rig an election and change 80 voting laws so a potted plant got 81 million votes. And then you wouldn't let it stop. People lost their jobs, they lost their businesses, they lost a lot. 
so you could get rid of Trump. And you pushed them into these communities. You stuck them on a computer screen all fucking day. And they're constantly getting a stream of social media brainwashing for the LGBT CRT religion. Which all tells you your family's garbage. The country is garbage. The people who don't live like you are garbage. What did this kid attack? People that don't live like him. That's who they attacked. That thing attacked people that don't look like him. What did you think would happen? You constantly tell them on the TV, we're losing democracy. The country is falling apart because the Supreme Court handed Roe back to states. The country is going to end because Donald Trump may become president again. You took away their hope. As a person who's living by hope, right now I completely live on hope that next Monday they find something wrong with me so I can get fixed, so I can go back to work, so I can have a quality of life. When I lose that hope, I get sicker. I just Joe biden Shame on me. But I do. I need the hope that I am going to get healthy again so I can eat just normal food, not bad food, and go back to work. So you can do your usual two-step, which is always the same thing. You live near a city where felons have guns and you don't put them in jail for it because they're black and equity and shit. You live in a city where people kill each other and they get downgraded because they're black and they're equity and shit. You live in a city where they solve less than 50% of the crime because the police can't do shit. The culture of ain't gonna be no rat is big time. Where I live, if I go outside and shoot somebody, the police are gonna know. And these blue cities, mm mm-mm. This will be off the news within a couple days. Too many people know he's liberal. And they will go to the guns. They tried white supremacists. They tried Trump. Didn't work. People found out. But until we fix the mental state of our young kids, you can take all the guns away. That motherfucker would have used a bow and arrow. We are isolating kids. They live only in a digital world. And that digital world is not good. That digital world's all bad. It's all negative. It's all hate your parents, hate God, hate the country, hate other people that aren't like you. Cancel those motherfuckers. He did. 
Which brings us to our 4th of July segment. And I kind of regret having the music or media sources and playing, thank God. Let's go ahead and play uh, a few sound bites. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him in uh, foot, foot, excuse me. Is the idea of still hoping for the Democrats in power to change, or is it about electing a different breed regardless of age? Bernie's an older gentleman, and he's fire and brimstone. Is it about electing Democrats and staying within this binary system of two major parties? I, I don't know what the solution is. I know Jenk has a lot more hope than I do in regard to uh, replacing these corrupt, do-nothing Democrats with strong progressives who are willing to fight. You know, Justice Democrats uh, has succeeded in getting some of these individuals elected. I, I don't know if that strategy is going to work quickly enough to mitigate the damage that's being done now rapidly by the right-wing ideologues in the Supreme Court. But one thing I also wanted to add, first two years of Obama's uh, first term, and uh, he had campaigned telling Planned Parenthood that the first thing he would do is codify Roe to ensure that women had protections uh, of their reproductive rights. As soon as he was elected, he was asked again whether he's going to do it. Are you going to codify it? You've got a super majority in the Senate. You know what he said? It's not a legislative priority. It's not a legislative priority. And then you have the uh, failure enablers in the Democratic Party go to their typical talking points about, well, what could we do? Yes, we had a supermajority. We did. We did. But there were a blue dog Democrats, you know, conservative Democrats. Well, then if you're going to find an excuse, regardless of what voters do, regardless of how many people turn up, regardless of how many people... Uh, partake in your ground game, canvas for you, and get you elected. If you're going to turn around and give us the same lame excuses, 
then how, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't support them. This party doesn't represent me. Now, let me be clear, the Republican Party, absolute garbage, absolute fascists, do not believe in America and what this country stands for and want theocratic rule. I'm not for them at all. But I'm tired of running into the same issue over and over again, where the Democrats' main campaigning tool is to tell Americans, we're not going to do anything for you, but the other party, bad, very, very bad. So vote for us. It's not going to work anymore. How does the American flag make you feel now? I asked this question because on July 4th, me and my family were celebrating and shooting off fireworks and a Jeep was coming down the street. So we had to get out of the street. And um, as the Jeep went by, it had two American flags flying high. And in the South, that typically means Trumplicans and Trump supporters and all that wonderful shit. But I looked at my neighbor and I asked her if she got a knot in her stomach when she saw the flag now. And she said, yes, she did. And I just attribute that to the insurrection. I attribute that to all the proud boy and white supremacist waving the flag high and just the Trump tards. And so I hate I feel this way. I really do. My four-year-old just came up to me and asked if she could play with my Dumbo Trump flag. And I said, my Dumbo Trump flag? I don't have one of those. And yes, she calls him Dumbo. I just never corrected her. And she goes, yeah, you do. This one. And I feel like it's kind of profound. Did he ruin the flag for anybody else? Just me? I'm 46, and when I turn 50 and my husband is all better, we plan on moving out of this country and somewhere else in the world. No idea where yet, just not here. So my question is, is there a place we can move that people would be happy to have us that we're not gentrifying or colonizing? Is there a way to do this? I don't want to be a problem, but I need to get the fuck out of this country. If you woke up in a good ass mood today, you put on your red, white, and blue, please go buy a gallon of gasoline, pour it on yourself, and then light that bitch up. Because what the fuck? At this point in my life, a pickup truck with an American flag attached to the back speeding down a street gives me pause and I look for safety. There's nothing like leaving America to remind you that you are traumatized. I'm in Spain right now and I, it, being here has only made it more obvious that like I move through my everyday life in America as someone who expects aggression when I enter a space and someone who expects harm. I was driving around yesterday with my husband and we kept seeing um, American flags everywhere for 4th of July. And um, am I the only one that Trump has ruined the flag for? Because now I just see American flags and go, oh yeah, those are probably assholes. Am I the only one that like looks at American flags and I'm just like, ugh, ugh. Like someone just came on the beach with American flag chair. And they're giving me a very, like, Trumpy vibe. I don't think American flag is, like, very Trumpy now. And I'm just like, I can't. I, I just cannot with any of it. <laughs> I'm at the point with this.
this country that like all this 4th of July decorations doesn't sit well with me because we're at a point where the American flag on any piece of anything hanging from your house, on your shirt, hanging from your fucking car, on a sticker, on your car, whatever, it looks racist. Like, the fact that it was the symbol of, like, the protests against masks, and it was the symbol for all lives matter and blue lives matter, it's like, it just, it screams racist to me, it screams colonizer, it screams, I don't season my food. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I don't want to celebrate 4th of July anymore. 4th of July is officially canceled. I am looking for employment opportunities outside of the United States. I have a bachelor's degree in social work. My associates was in human services, specializing in addiction, and have many years in that field. I also have many years in customer service, ranging from things like bartending to making coffee to serving. Really, I'm willing to do anything as long as it gets me out of this country. That's why Orlando did it. These corporations and cities, they they just, I mean, come on. This is what their people do. Probably don't want to celebrate. Folks, the Macy's Parade, or Macy's, yeah, well, fuck it. The Macy's Parade turned into a gay showcase. People stopped watching that. So the Macy's 4th of July, they listed it as July fireworks, not even the 4th. When they started it, they never even talked about the 4th. I watched it. They're banking that more people hate the country than don't. And the polls, yeah, they're, they're saying that their people aren't very proud. But that's still the minority that it's those cocksuckers you just heard. I'm leaving the country. Leave. All of you, Democrats, pack your shit. All the heavy-duty African-American motherfuckers owe me fucking reparations. Go to Liberia. Pack your shit. I I've always said it on the show. Take all these motherfuckers, drop them in the Middle East for just two days. They'll come back and be motherfucking mega. When you got to shit in a hut, walk five miles, get water eat meat that's just meat you're just hanging out dude it ain't refrigerated they keep it in a cellar it's the motherfucking root cellar out of the waltons go have some fun with that shit see, see how much you like it i was patriotic but when i came back from korea in 1990 not 2000 korea was well more advanced in, in 2000 but the middle east from the war brah Realized it was really nice having a shit fucking on a toilet. It was kick-ass. I'm down with that crap. Mm-hmm. Fucking air conditioning, brah. New York Times, American flags been hijacked by red staters. No, it hasn't. You say it's racist, and you want the black flag. NPR decided, hey, I, I'm not going to fucking read the Declaration of Independence. We're going to do a class on equality. And then you have the ESPN. I keep talking about it on the show. ESPN, the moment they got rid of Mike and Mike, I have not watched anything. Because every time I tune in, they're not talking about football, sports. They're talking about woke. It's all woke all the fucking time. It's so fucking bad.
Losing freedom. It's a black guy. Pack your shit. Gallup poll. Uh, six, okay, an interesting question. Essentially, how proud are you? And 65% was not a figure you would think of necessarily as a low number, but the trend line going back is lower, and that's because all they see on TV all the time from the left is this garbage. It's so amazing. You control Washington. You have every level of power. And you say the country sucks. What is that? What is what? It's the weird thing about Dems. They get angry when they lose. And then they just get fucking stupid. When they win. They stay on that trend line. America blows. It's garbage. And then we get into our all our shit. Um, I am not proud. Al Jazeera. Yeah, that's to be expected. Ashamed of the fourth. Uh, New York Times. American cracks are showing. MSNBC. And so I literally went in to... There were ten... 10 New York Times op-eds, all of them, America is a shithole. American democracy broken. Here's how to fix it. Give it all to motherfucking liberals. Los Angeles Times, this 4th of July, California, back in reparations, is the truest form of patriotism. Really. I didn't listen to this. My name is Baratunde Thurston. I'm a writer, sometimes comedian. Pacific Ocean, that's my boo right there. That's my boo. Let's see if it's any good. Give me a second here. I'm going to pause. Finally tonight, a NewsHour essay from author Sebastian Younger. On this Independence Day, he reflects on American heroes. Several years ago, I spent much of a deployment with a platoon of combat infantry at a remote outpost called Restrepo. It was named after the medic, PFC Juan Sebastian Restrepo, who was born in Colombia, emigrated to America as a child, and died fighting at the bottom of a hill in Afghanistan. There was no running water at Restrepo, no cooked food, no communication with the outside world, and absolutely no privacy. Mostly, there was just a lot of combat. The platoon was in several hundred firefights that year, and everyone out there was almost killed. And yet, over and over, I watched perfectly ordinary people risk their lives to keep others safe. No one was more important than anyone else, and race, religion, and politics had absolutely no relevance at Restrepo. It was the most profoundly egalitarian place I've ever been. Every 4th of July, I like to think about men like Private Restrepo and what this country must mean to them. 4% of our military aren't even U.S. citizens, and yet they emigrate to our shores, put on a uniform, and fight and die for us. What is it they're fighting for? What is it they're risking death for? For many, of course, it's economic opportunity. But that very economic opportunity is rooted in the idea of a just society where people are judged on their own merits rather than for the sound of their last name or the color of their skin. And that America may exist in its purest form on the front lines of our nation's wars. How sad, how ironic. Soldiers now return to a society that is tearing itself apart along every possible ethnic and demographic boundary. 
the gap between rich and poor continues to widen. Many people live in racially segregated communities, and a rampage shootings seem to happen every week or two. To make matters worse, powerful people in this country talk with incredible contempt about, depending on their views, the president, the government, the foreign-born, and entire segments of the population. I'm sorry to say that some of my fellow Americans would judge PFC Juan Restrepo for his country of origin before they got around to honoring him for his heroism. I don't believe that this would be happening if people in power in this country had even a minimal understanding of true public service. I wonder if any of them thought to give up their salary for a year in solidarity with the millions of Americans who lost their jobs during the recession. I wonder if any of them are prepared to make a real personal sacrifice for the good of this nation. And yet such acts are found in abundance among the citizens they serve. Last year, a lifelong New Yorker named Marty Bauman died at age 85. Mr. Bauman contracted polio while in the Army, attended college on the GI Bill, and went on to start a successful business in Manhattan. When his company ran into financial trouble in the 1990s, he secretly gave up his salary so that he wouldn't have to fire any of his staff. His employees only found out because the company bookkeeper finally told them. People like Mr. Bauman are the true heroes of this country. This 4th of July, think about the people, young and old, rich and poor, citizen and non-citizen, who have made sacrifices for us all. Some are in uniform, but many are not. They all deserve our respect, but more than that, they deserve a country that respects itself. I don't hear that sentiment in the halls of power. I only hear it at the outposts of Afghanistan and on the streets and in the workplaces of this great land. Just a few days ago, I was walking by a housing project in New York City and saw someone throw a candy wrapper on the ground. Another person saw him as well. Hey man, he said, that's our country. That's right, that's our country. If the powerful do not learn this one lesson from the rest of us, they will not remain the powerful for long. That's how you fix it. I said it a million times. It doesn't have to be a goddamn service to the military. The problem with all these generations, they only have service to them fucking selves. They all want to be a TikTok influencer or be on Instagram and be famous. They all want to win fucking American Idol, be on Big Brother or last or the fucking Survivor series. They don't want to serve anything but their goddamn self. We have no sense of country because nobody gives a fuck about them anything but themselves. Sure, there's pockets here and there, normal people. But I've said over and over, the same people bleeding, dying, and serving this country have been doing it since its inception. You had an uncle, a grandfather, a brother, a father, a mother, a sister. They all serve. And though some of them are uber-liberal and they hate the fucking country, they don't op-ed like this. They don't spend their whole time doing this because they lost Roe. I mean, it's it's so cool in our fucking media. Top 20. Hope you had a half of 4th of July too, Boston Globe. Oh, say 
We've seen too much. The Star Spangled Banner pushed like a cough through America's mouth. That was 91 because they were pissed off post Gulf War. Respecting Anthem equals racism. That was 2017. That was really vogue that year. Now is the part of the debate where you should dump on America. Liberal Radio's host, It Pains Me to Chant USA. Ringing the bell of jingoism. That's from 2016. Embarrassed by the Star Spangled Banner. That was 2012. Uh, 2001, Katrina Polite, despising the stars and stripes. Red, white, and scary from 2001. Because we got too patriotic. They really didn't like that. Post 9-11. Bill Moyers in 2003. Same, same. America sucks. Happy Independence Day. James Carroll, Boston Gold, 2005. National Anthem is too tough to take on The View in uh, this June. I want to burn the flag, 2005. Let's shred the Constitution, 2011, and all fucking month of June. Post-9-11 flag waving, something of cousins intolerance. Forget about the terse and old founding documents. American Revolution equals monumental mistake. Triggered by the American flag. We played this at nauseum. Do you remember this? The reality is here that uh, we have a large percentage of the American population. I don't know how big it is, but we have tens of millions of Trump voters who uh, continue to believe that their rights as citizens are under threat by simple virtue of having to share the democracy with others. And when I see him with the truck, I shit my pants. Remember that? Standing for the national anthem is the affirmation of American empire. That was 2017. Uncomfortable with calling military hero Chris Hayes. And then, of course, imperialism, genocide, and slavery. That Melissa Harris Perry, who lost her show because nobody watched. Yeah, that was a good time. Claire McCaskill restates, we're going to... uh, Watch this year the January 6th riots for 4th of July. That's what we do. Matthew Rosa on July 4th. Let's give Joe Biden his due. Like the founding fathers, he has good idea that he can't implement because of petty politic. History will be kind to him. Trump will be remembered as a literal historic loser. They're still talking about Trump. But Trump. But Trump. It's always but Trump. Wisconsin, Democratic Lieutenant uh, Governor Mandela Barnes. Founding of America was awful. CNN's Collinson, 4th of July, ruined by Trump violent coup attempt. That was their op-ed. Yeah. Washington Post. Let's have independence from the founding fathers. Another CNN. America divided over what the U.S. stands for on the 4th of July. And what is the picture? I'll show you the picture. All of a sudden, Cheney. Cheney's awesome. She's the shit. Cheney's so important to America. Without Cheney, where would we be? Oh, what are we going to do? It's all Cheney. Unger sums it up. 
If that kid who dressed like a girl to kill people at a fucking parade had served something, he wouldn't have been in this hole alone being manipulated by the fucking internet to think going out and killing people was a good fucking idea. But we don't want to talk about that. That makes sense. So we don't make sense. What we want to do is take everybody's fucking guns. That's what we want to do. Take the fucking guns. If we take the fucking guns, they can't defend themselves. All right, let's play a few sound bites and we'll go into some ash and trash and then a quick woke. At least four members of the court have said state courts have no right to intervene. And so what that means in states like uh, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, these extremely right wing legislatures with strictly gerrymandered seats can make any sort of rules they want in legislatures without in their states without any sort of oversight from the courts which would give them carte blanche to draw districts and maybe even simply declare the winners of, of state races it's it's an enormously important um case for how elections are conducted all over the country because explain jeffrey how that could have come into play in 2020 and how it might come into play in 2024 depending on how they rule for example pennsylvania pennsylvania has a very conservative right-wing legislature which was trying to help donald trump in the re in in the um post-election period but the court said no you have to follow the law you can't just make up new rules as you go along to to um, help the candidate you like. The courts were a check, as they are in, in, in our system. If this uh, independent legislature law, that's the, that's the doctrine of law, uh, were in effect, the legislature could have done whatever it wanted, including declare Trump the winner, notwithstanding the fact that Biden won by 10. Uh, and that, that there are consequences. Can the Republican Party survive in the way you've known it, if Donald Trump is again chosen? It can't survive if he's our nominee. No. No. Um, I think that, that he can't be the party nominee, and I don't think the party would survive that. I believe in the party, and I believe in what the party can be and what the party can stand for, um, and I'm not ready to give that up. Those of us who believe in Republican principles and ideals have a responsibility to try to lead the party back to what it can be, um, and to reject um, and to reject so much of the of the toxin and the vitriol. We will stop the steal. We won this election, and we won it by a landslide. This was not a close election. That millions of people, millions of Republicans, have been betrayed by Donald Trump, and um, and that is a really painful thing. Uh, for people to recognize and to admit, but it, it's absolutely the case. And they've been betrayed by him, uh, by the big lie, um, and by, by what he continues to do and say to tear apart our country and tear apart our party. And, and I think we have to reject that. So do you run for president? If, I mean, do you see yourself running for president as a way to prevent what you say would be the destruction of the party, you know, ultimately I, damaging our country? Uh, I haven't made a decision about that yet. And 
Um, I'm, I'm obviously very focused on my re-election. I'm very focused on the January 6th committee. I'm very focused on my obligations to do the job that I have now. And uh, I'll make a decision about 24 down the road. Um, but I, I think about it less in terms of a decision about running for office and more in terms of, um, you know, as an American uh, and as somebody who's in a position of public trust now, uh, how do I make sure that I'm doing everything I can um, to do the right thing, uh, to do what I know is right for the country? You have to wonder why it's left to this show of all places to announce the rising star, the next rising star in the Democratic Party. But it is, so we're going to. It's a woman called Tiara Mack. You never heard of Tiara Mack? Well, maybe that's because she's a state senator in the country's smallest state, Rhode Island. And you have to wonder why. This is a woman with demonstrated talent who has, as she announced on social media just this week, an Ivy League degree from Brown, but still technically Ivy League. Famous people send their kids there. Whatever, it's Brown. You should be impressed. And she's an amazing performer. Here's her latest campaign ad. Vote Senator Mac. So you ever had those moments where you see something and you're like, oh, that's the future. That's what it looks like. We saw Tierra Mac head in the sand, twerking, and we thought, man, that's the Democratic Party 2020. So not everyone liked it. And she responded this way on Twitter, quote, damn, twerking upside down really makes the conservative unhinged Internet accounts pop off on Monday. And nevertheless, she wrote, I'm really excited for the House sex ed bill hearing later today. Teaching comprehensive, queer, inclusive, pleasure-based sex ed was a highlight of my time teaching. And you got to wonder, since she just summarized everything the Democratic Party is for, why isn't her own party embracing her? Why is she still a state senator in Rhode Island? Why isn't she secretary of state? Why aren't they pushing her for president? Oh, she's not old enough. Really? Because the racist Constitution said she's an old enough. Why not change the Constitution? Why not make Tierra Mac your standard bearer in 2024? But they're not. They're pushing Joe Biden, who's like 100 years old, pale, stale Joe Biden, and then Hillary Clinton and Pete Buttigieg. Again, talk about systemic racism. Tierra Mac, 2024. She ought to run with the guy in the dress who oversees Biden's nuclear waste program. That's Sam Britton. He's our new Deputy Assistant Secretary for Spent Fuel and Waste Disposition deals with the spent fuel rods. He's also got something called a puppy fetish. How, how do we know this? Well, it's all over social media. So of course he's in the Biden administration. So he ought to be right up there with Tierra Mac. And then they should go a step further. Why not make Rachel Levine head of DOD? He's already an admiral. Come on now. Be honest about who you are. People appreciate it. Tierra Mac, 2024. Why is Liz Cheney speaking about the Republican Party? And I love that, Tucker. I had to play it. I watched it last night as I was getting ready to go to bed. Molly Hemingway, a 2022 and 2024 agenda on ABC. Cheney said the most important issue facing the United States today, more than inflation, crime, Ukraine, China, border, anything, is protecting from Donald Trump. 
Molly Hemingway. Liz Cheney is the idea of the regime, truly something to behold. The unhinged obsession, the loss of any semblance of reality about what is and is not important, the enslavement to beltway blindness, the desire to make people pay for crime or rejecting what establishment decree. And then she gets her for the using the liberal line, women, men are in power and they're not doing too well. That just shows she's trying to pick up liberal voters. The Hill pretty much sums up January 6th. Kinziger to the media, witnesses are coming forward every day, which means we don't have anything. We're just dragging this shit out until November. That's all it's about. And the Hill, why people of color should care about January 6th. I want you to think about why do liberals think they can speak for black people? I mean, I'm supposed to be a gigantic racist. I like the flag. I believe in God. I own guns. I mean, I'm a garbage person. I voted for Trump twice. I mean, that means I am like the grand wizard of the KKK. I don't speak for anybody. I speak for me and my wife. I don't speak for all vets. I don't speak for all vets who put Vicks in their nose because they have terrible allergies. I just speak for me. But the left is always speaking for black people. Like they know what black people think. There are videos all over the internet of him saying, you're going to put you back in chains. And here's Mitt Romney showing why Mitt Romney and Cheney are not principled people. Mitt Romney, Joe Biden's a generally good man, but he has yet been unable to break through our national malady of denial, deceit, and distrust. A return of Donald Trump would feed the sickness, probably rendering it incurable. It is the Buffalo Bills closing rank. There's a lot of these going on. Most households have cash cushions to navigate through the very high inflation, said Mark Zandi, Moody's analytical chief economist. This is allowing consumers to stay in the game. You don't know America. You just don't know America. Your voters burned that shit. You locked them in their house. They didn't have a fucking job. They couldn't find toilet paper. I'll do the Biden so you understand what I'm saying. They didn't save that shit. For fuck's sake, I didn't save that shit. I paid off bills. My wife lost her job. I was unemployed. It, they don't know America. Oh, shit. I guess I don't have a whole... What, how did that get there? I don't know. Trump, most popular uh, politician in a poll. And then pro football talk. That's how this got here. Since gas prices are currently a hot topic for debate, here's a fact. Retail sellers, gasoline convenience stores, gas stations, put their thumbs on the scale harder the higher the price goes. When it was practicing law, I learned how the game works. Higher gas prices always means greater profits for the people selling the gas. They just keep their mouths shut and count the money. Pro Football talk. Before this, they did row.
This headline alone, for those listening, breaking, Biden DOJ files lawsuit against the state of Arizona requires voters to prove their U.S. citizenship, says everything. Why? Why? Oh, I know why, because it's a toss-up. It's a purple state, and they don't want to lose it, and they know people who were not residents voted. That's why. There's stats all over the place. They're giving shit to illegals in California. You think those motherfuckers ain't going to vote? You know what the popular vote's going to look like in California this year? Here's my little uneducated guess. At least 300,000 more votes. They'll be illegals. And all the data shows that people are moving out of that state. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Ramal, uh, Jamal Bowman. The Supreme Court is brazenly violating the Constitution, so it's time to impeach those who have broken the law and expand the court. He's not even elected either. Him and Hochul have never been elected. They just got put in a slot. That's just interesting. Hmm. The pantsuit guy. Top Biden admin staffer defended underage gay prostitute website raided by feds in 2015. Samuel Britton is a deputy assistant secretary in the Office of Nuclear Energy. Britton, who now serves as deputy assistant in blah, 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 energy, uh, defended rentboy.com in September 2nd, 2015 op-ed in Advocate Magazine. The real ramifications of the Rent Boy raid. The article followed Department of Homeland Security officials raiding Rent Boy's Manhattan office and arresting Chief Executive Officer Jeffrey Harant and six employees on charges of promoting prostitution. The following year, the CEO of the site, which connected male prostitutes and escorts with potential clients, was indicted on charges of promoting prostitution, which he ultimately pled guilty to. The U.S. District Court of the Eastern District of New York indictment also revealed the site's negligent regarding underage sex work, particularly across Asia. It details how Rent Boy employees described the age verification process as a gray area, as they did not always remove advertisement when the advertiser failed to provide an identification. That's because he is a fucking pervert. There are pictures of him, like me, fully fucking hairy, with big old red lipsticks. Like creepy red lipsticks. Like Buffalo Bob. Just saying. Just fucking saying. You fucking people, man. You're trying to make map a thing and you're not going to get there confidence in u.s institutions down average a new low only 11 percent trust the media anymore and then a scandal that should be making people lose their fucking shit five million barrels from the petroleum reserve that were released to help us have cheaper gas and then you wonder why we haven't seen cheaper gas. It went to foreign countries. The government sold it to Europe. And right now, U.S.-Mexico border ranked deadliest land crossing in the world. World, folks. But there's nothing to worry about down there. There's nothing. What? What is wrong with you? SCOTUS rants. 
A fun thing about Christian fascists is they want the world to literally fucking burn so Jesus could come back, but Biden thinks they can be reasoned with. He doubled down a second time. Lawrence Tribe, a frightening but realistic look at the cruel adoption-centered future that awaits far too many of our youth, followed by a Newsweek article. I was adopted months after Roe v. Wade. I wish abortion had been an option for my birth mom. I'd rather be dead. But to show there is some hope in the world, Deborah Messing, who got Biden elected, tells White House aides she doesn't see the point in voting. After Roe, she's lost all hope. Because she really was just a one-issue voter. To woke. Turn it up. Turn it on. Rock it like we bad to the bone. Get on the floor. Running loose. Gotta put these two left feet to use. If you need education in the party scene. As you think you can dance with me. This ain't no joke. Turn up. Let's get woke. Hi, families! It's time for a pride parade! Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah! Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah! This family has two mommies, they love each other so proudly And they all go marching in the big She told me, she told me to go because to where I came from. Like driving habit, you see that? Because we don't drive I'm in Oregon. We're fucking kind and we make space. Okay. And as someone who's from here as well, I'm so tired of people driving like you just did. Alright, get out of my face. Constant. Get out of my face. Admit you're fucking wrong and that it's not no. a nice thing. Admit that you're driving. Admit like you're white. Right. Admit you have a colonizer it mindset. It's not about race. Yeah, tell me. Yelling. It is not about race. Yeah, it is. Problem here. If you want things to change, when you fuck oh, up, so it's on me. do so it's not on me. call the race card. Don't fucking hear me. Do not call the shut up. And don't even get in her face. Do not get in her face. You're taking out do your not. pain and oppression on me right now. Stay out. Stay out. Stay out of it. We are, and it's important. It's fucking important. Give it a moment. If you want anything to change, if you want shut up, it's not on me to change, it's on you and your colonizer mindset. So get the fuck out of my face you now, you white lady! You white lady! I'm as angry as you or are. I just get out of my face! Because I'm done with this conversation! Then you'd be walking you away. You fucking colonizer! You, know you fucking, here, it's not on me, it's on you now. and your people. I'm not taking any fucking... I'm not taking any directions from a white lady. Everyone needs to hear how angry you are, but it's not about this. It's, it's not up. about what Get just happened. I'm trying away. Why can't you just walk? You're in my space. You're in my space. You got in my space. Get out. You're breathing my air. You fucking colonizer. Get out of my face. And don't give me those white tears and a fake white tail and a fake condescending right. look. There's you don't know the pain of my people. So get out! Get out! I'm gonna stand here with you until you walk away. 
because what you did was wrong, and then you made it about race. And that's fucked up. And you told me, she told crazy. me to get back to where I came from. Where, where am I from? I'm from one street, red! Where she and her white colonizer mindset put me in! Oh, I don't care. Oh, I don't care. Put it on the internet. Hi, my name is Cameron, and I'm a member of our DID system. So Avery and I are both birds. I am a cardinal and Avery is a blue jay. We like AM air pronouns in particular because they feel even further removed from gender than they than theirs. And being birds, while we do have um, our own gender expression, we don't inherently have a gender at all. And not in the way that, like, we're just non-binary. It's that, like, our species as, like, an avian-human hybrid does not inherently have any kind of gender at all. So you use them just like singular pronouns, like he, him, or she, her. Uh, spelling and pronunciation-wise, it's like they, them, theirs without the TH at the beginning. So the best way I think to practice is to write out um, a couple of short sentences using like he, him, his, and himself, and then go back through and erase all of those pronouns and fill them in with a, m, air, air, self. I'm going to try to make this short. If you have teenage kids in Washington State, watch this video. I get a call today from the counselor at the high school, Snohomish, Washington. They proceed to say, your child, 15 years old, did not pick up his antidepressants um, at the end of the school year. I said, he, he's not on antidepressants. Like, what are you talking about? My kid is not depressed. I got that in my teeth. Forget it. And they proceeded to tell me that they had a psychiatrist come to the school and give my kid antidepressants. And he's been on them for several months. I had no knowledge. I knew nothing about it. Knew nothing. Come to find out, it's 100% legal. They could do whatever they want with our kids in Washington State in the school program. Number one, if they're giving a child prescription in your home, you should know, period. Number two, the only time I could see them keeping stuff like that from you if they is if they believe that there's abuse in the home, sexual abuse, mental abuse, emotional abuse, any type of abuse, or if they feel the child's at danger, 100%, I would agree with them not telling me. Number three, what if I was allowing him to have a glass of wine at home? A dinner. Not that I am, but what if I was? What if he had a heart murmur? What if he was allergic to medications like that? The kid can barely fill out a job application. How's he going to know all his medical history? How's he going to know all these things? Number three, he didn't tell me because I had a really good line of communication with the school. I got the receipts. We were emailing every week because he's on an IEP. I was talking to his case manager. He thought 100% I knew. And number four, it's not their kid to give a prescription to. So I wholeheartedly believe that they should have told me. This is Sonam. And Kate from Nina's World. Um, we're going live as part of a radical accountability process. Um, we're complicit in the gentrification and anti blackness on 52nd Street. We put our community at risk with our presence um, as well as our workers. And particularly, this was highlighted by an action from us, and we're here to take responsibility. Um, for that inaction and for the harm that we caused. Um, with the guidance of the workers and Black and Brown Workers Collective, we're trying to raise funds to buy the business and turn it over to our staff. Um, as the owners of the space, we put our workers in harm's way 
each day that we're open and we want to recognize that harm and want to uplift their concerns and needs. Um, we want to uh, be accountable for our complicitness and uh, our complicitness with gentrification and our engagement with anti-blackness um, in that gentrification. And in that space. And in that space, yeah. The workers of Nina's World deserve so much more. They have worked beyond their means. They have made the space what it is and our ultimate goal is to return the space to them and give them the shop that they truly deserve to have. And what we're asking you to do right now is to stay tuned for a funder so that we can raise the funds to turn over the space to them and to make sure that they get to have Nina's world in the way that they have envisioned it and rightfully should have it. Um, we're trying to work with a third owner to buy the business and the property. Um, and we're asking for funds so that we can do that. Um, our ownership and our place as a business and the owners of that business on 52nd Street have caused harm and the exploitation of our workers and, gentrif and gentrifying the neighborhood. Um, say this and everybody's gonna hate me but as a woman just because you go change your parts doesn't make you a woman right sorry you feel that I know that for a fact that is a Mattel Kendall who is pregnant actual statement pregnant men have been in the dark too long Hundred and fifty word review, Lightyear. It sucked. Tom Hanks. Surprisingly, I don't understand why Till Tim Allen didn't voice Buzz a new Lightyear movie. <laughs> uh, and Macy Gray's fucked. I guess I just forgot to comment on that. She's fucked. She's done. She's completely done. Joe Biden selects Megan Rappenhoe for a presidential medal of freedom for hating America. Rance, school board director to host nine-year-olds from classes on sexual pleasure, gender ID, and in a sex shop. But no, no grooming. Don't say grooming. You fucking don't say grooming. The fuck is wrong with you? Grooming's a serious accusation. Virginia school district prohibits teachers from contacting parents when students change gender. That's why I talked about the antidepressants in our little bumper. Queer-owned business shut down by employees for not being woke enough. In Philadelphia. True story. What the fuck, Chuck? What the fuck, Chuck? And then, I should have put this together, but I didn't. Twitter had Elliot Page... In a trending topic, they got called out by BuzzFeed 
And so they had to remove the trend because Elliot Page, Elliot Ellen, was trending. Because people were talking about it, and the algorithm just picked it up. But Twitter broke their own fucking rules. So are they going to suspend themselves? I highly doubt it. Two are this is America. Um, folks, if this guy becomes president, um, I just want you all to know we are fucked. Um, Joe Biden just reads words people tell him to read. This moon bat believes it all. This is America. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America. 2021. It's Independence Day. So let's talk about what's going on in America. Freedom, it's under attack in your state. Your Republican leaders, they're banning books, making it harder to vote, restricting speech in classrooms, even criminalizing women and doctors. I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight or join us in California, where we still believe in freedom, freedom of speech, freedom to choose, freedom from hate, and the freedom to love. Don't let them take your freedom. Paid for by Newsom for California Governor 2022. It's a no-brainer. Between the two of them, it's just a no-brainer. I mean, brainer, brainer, DeSantis. I, I want DeSantis to run. I don't want Trump to run. DeSantis has got enough edge that he can play the game, tell the fucking media to go fuck themselves like we need. But if you think comparing California, a dying state, to Florida is going to get you presidents, run that. Run that. Taking guns, fucking all your gay shit, reparations, fuck, go, please, Newsom. Primary Biden. Primary him. It'd be fucking awesome watching this goddamn train crash. I mean, it'd just be the worst because you're going to get smoked. You guys don't know America. You know you're America in your bubble and you think you know what people think, but you don't. Nobody wants that shit. They want gas prices down. They want inflation to go the fuck away. They just want to live their fucking lives. And everybody from liberal, gay, I don't give a fuck who you are, illegals, they just want to live their lives. They don't want to be told how to live their lives. And the problem with the left right now, you are full-fledged fucking fascists. You tell everybody what to fucking think. You're thought policing, bitches. And that shit ain't going to work. So this wraps up another episode of Flower Politic Podcast. Share this with family and friends. Go to foppodcast.com where you can find links to everything. I wanted to be under two hours. I did it, finally. And I cut some of the sound bites because it's getting repetitive. Disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs. Enjoy your family. We'll go with a Sunday show. That is going to be the 10th of July. Until then, thank you all for listening. And take care.